Good morning, CHD. Welcome to our first episode of Pediatric Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Paul. Some call me Paul Thomas. We will focus on this program, Everything Pediatrics. What do we need to know to keep our children healthy? We're going to look at the news through a pediatric perspective. And the goal is to be a resource for parents, grandparents, anybody that's raising kids. We're not diagnosing, we're not giving medical advice, but this is going to be a information-packed show. And we're going to look at things that parents face through the lens of creating a healthier medical system and a safer world for our children. I've been a busy pediatrician for 35 years, just recently retired, to focus on just this, just what Good Morning CHD is doing, and that is bringing the most important information to you that you generally won't get on mainstream media. We want to break this information down in a way that helps you, the parent, be the best parent you can possibly be for your children. So today's topic, folks, is measles. And you'll get a different perspective on measles than you'll ever get from mainstream media, our public health officials, government officials, and the talking heads on TV. You know, recently in the headlines, they were reporting that both at the Dulles Airport and the Ronald Reagan Airport, there was a measles that came through. And it's like, oh my, this is a big deal. In fact, it read, a confirmed case traveled through two of the busiest airports in the region while returning home from an international trip. These articles always seem to have this huge appeal that everybody needs to get the MMR, the measles vaccine. I am joined today by a special guest, pediatrician, Dr. Larry Pilevsky. He's a great friend of mine, a very wise pediatrician loved by so many of you. You know him well. And if you don't, you're going to get to love this man. Larry, welcome to the show. Good to see you, Paul. Thanks for inviting me on today. Thank you for joining me. We're talking about measles today and the fact that there were a couple cases. Well, there was a case, confirmed case of measles that went through a couple busy airports, uh, Dulles and Ronald Reagan. And of course, everybody needs to rush out and get their vaccine, right? Um, I thought I'd start off, Larry, and just ask you this. I'm not worried about travel, hearing that report. Um, how about you? What are your thoughts about this? No, I'm not worried about travel. But I remember in the early part of 2019, when there was an increased uh, number of cases of measles in the New York area, and uh, the New York State Department of Health did not do their homework. Because whenever you hear about a case of measles, first you have to ask, who made the diagnosis? More and more pediatricians in existence have never seen measles. So they might not even know whether the case is true measles or not. Yeah. So we have Can to I interrupt out. you, Larry? Have yeah. you seen a case of true measles? Oh, many. Okay. Many. Okay. Oh, many. In fact, in the 1990, when I was a third year resident in pediatrics, we also had another measles outbreak in the New York area. So we saw lots of measles, but I had seen it when I was in medical school and in residency. So this was not a foreign thing to me. But yeah. when you do see a case of measles, you have to ask, well, how was the diagnosis made and who made the diagnosis? Then when you see that there's a case of measles, you have to ask, is it a vaccinated child or is it an unvaccinated child? And you see... The problem in our culture is that we believe that vaccination automatically equals immunity. And so 
it's out of the mindset of any person to even consider that a vaccinated child could possibly have measles because the child's vaccine failed. Right. It's also impossible to believe that the child could have measles because the vaccine gave the child measles. So when there's a case of measles, if it's in a vaccinated child or even an unvaccinated child, we have to know the strain because the strain of the measles virus could very well be the same strain as the one that's being given in the MMR in the communities. Right. That's a live virus vaccine. Right. Which would mean that that's not a true case of measles. And this is what New York State failed to do in 2019. They failed to to distinguish whether the cases of measles were from a side effect of the vaccine or whether they were true measles. Because the literature says, Paul, if the case of measles is a vaccine case, those are not counted as true cases of measles. The last, the last couple of things I want to say is that the strain must be detected to see if it's a mutant strain because strains change. And if the vaccine is no longer effective against that strain, the, the outbreak is not going to be related to unvaccinated or vaccinated kids. It's going to be a, a mutation, a new strain. And then, as we know, and this right out of the literature, Paul, vaccines, the MMR vaccine is a live attenuated. And the literature states that you must check to see if the vaccines given in the population were not attenuated enough, which means that the vaccines will spread measles. None of this detective work is normally done by the departments of health, by the physicians, or by the governments. Yeah. Instead, what we see is this, well, you need to get the MMR because there are measles cases. And if we don't go through that whole line of detective work, we're actually not telling the truth. Yeah. You may know this, but I was recently, I'm, I'm writing another book, and I was recently okay. going through all the package inserts in fine detail. And guess what I found about the ingredients in the measles portion of the MMR, the measles vaccine? They don't have an upper limit to the amount of live virus that's in that vaccine. So it right. just says at least. So right. it sky's the limit on what may be in those vaccines, which is exactly speaking to what you were just saying, Larry. Right. I right. wanna... the, the one thing I want to add, because, because this, was the, this was the clinker in 2019 when I was doing my research, there was a study that came out in China that showed several cities with outbreaks of measles, all related to an increase of pollution, specific air pollution in those cities. And so this was one of those sidebars that suggested that the expression of measles may be influenced environmentally and epigenetically by a certain set of poisons or toxins that can trigger the expression of a measles case, having nothing to do with necessarily transmission or unvaccinated kids or the vaccine itself. Yeah. 
and you and I can get into that perhaps a little later, is what's so important for fighting any infection is your immune system, right? The right. ability of your immune system to uh, handle the, whatever the infection might be. So I want to real quick go over a little bit of data. So coming right from the CDC, measles data, we're going to look at the number of measles cases reported by year. Now, look, they declared measles eradicated in the United States in 2000. And the annual number of reported measles cases ranged from as many as 13, that was actually in 2020, 37 cases in 2004, and 1274 cases in the year of 2019. That was a huge jump. The last death reported by the CDC was in 2015. Now, I have a big question mark around that because I remember reading the newspaper report. It was an elderly woman in the state of Washington, neighboring Oregon, where I practiced. And she was basically dying in the hospital from multiple chronic conditions, was on high-dose steroids and a number of other medications. Mm -hmm. And they found measles at autopsy. She died perhaps with measles, but certainly not from measles. Right. And if measles had anything to do with it, it was probably because she was immunosuppressed. Right. So that's interesting. I also just want to show another little graphic from Physicians for Informed Consent. And this was a graphic showing the decline in measles mortality from 1990 to 1963 when the MMR, the measles vaccine, was introduced. Actually, it was initially a single measles vaccine, then later the MMR. And you will see in this graphic a flat line by the time we're in the basically the 40s and 50s. Measles was almost gone. It went from a rate of around 10, 11, 12 per 100,000 to almost zero. Correct me if I'm wrong, Larry, but I don't think there's been a pediatric death in the United States in over two decades. Um, not that I know of, but I remember, Paul, that one of the things that I learned way back in the dark ages of pediatric training was that the major reason for the measles vaccine was not for the deaths, but it was for the subacute sclerosing panencephalitis or the prevention of SSPE. And I always find it interesting that, that there was uh, enough of a worry about SSPE from the latent reactivation of a measles infection that would go on to develop, you know, brain injury, brain damage, brain inflammation. And yet we hear hundreds of thousands, if not millions of parents whose children get the measles or the MMR vaccine, who go on to develop brain inflammation, brain encephalitis, and brain injury. And somehow, even though the literature shows way back from the 70s, the association between measles vaccine and encephalitis from the vaccine we ignore and gaslight those parents whose children got the MMR and developed brain injury, brain inflammation, and brain encephalitis. Right. Well, and you and I know, we've studied the literature, there is no question that the measles vaccine itself is triggering a whole lot of neurological problems. I mean, all, all the way to autism. Yeah. Oh, it's been proven not. Well, watch the documentary Vaxxed. Look at whistleblower, CDC whistleblower, William Thompson's declaration that right. they, they manipulated the data to show the outcome. They showed that there was no link when in fact the data showed there was an over 300% increase in autism in African-American boys and an increase in autism in everybody for a new onset variant of autism. Correct. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, I think that was the two, 2004 study 
Correct. That was, was published um, that showed no association, even though the data were told to be thrown into the garbage so people yep. wouldn't see it. But, you know, the other one other interesting thing that, that I don't think people are aware is that the the ingredients that are in the MMR uh, easily penetrate the brain. And and so no one's ever tested, you know, you, you know, if we're going to do the scientific method, what's the observation? The observation is hundreds of thousands of parents see their children get the MMR and then regress, lose eye contact, stop speaking, withdraw, bang their head against the wall, uh, you know, completely go into a neurological disability. And so the scientific method would say, that's an interesting observation. Is there anything in the MMR that would go into the brain that would perhaps bring about enough inflammation to bring on those symptoms that we're seeing of neurological disabilities? And no study has ever been done. Yeah. Nonetheless, if you read the biochemical nature of the ingredients in the MMR, there many of them are capable of passing across the blood-brain barrier and into the brain. So the answers are right there, except that we will not allow ourselves to say it loudly enough because we'll be censored and gaslit because we'll be saying the truth. Question for our viewers. We've got parents who may have heard that news and Disneyland happened and it was all over the news for a full year. This will come again. Should parents worry? Do they need to rush out and get an MMR? Um, what are your thoughts about that? Well, first of all, measles is a contained self-limited illness. Yes, there are kids who will develop ear infections and pneumonia, and those are very rare. Um, it's a self-limited illness if it happens at all. Just because you are exposed to a child who has measles doesn't guarantee that you will get measles. And even if you're not exposed to a child with measles, it can spontaneously happen anyway. So it's not something that will hurt your child for the most part. It's a self-limited illness. I don't recommend using over-the-counter medicines to treat the fevers because that may actually worsen the condition and bring on the potential for pneumonia and otitis. Um, the MMR has never been proven to be safe. It has a very high risk of injuring your child's brain just based on the nature of the ingredients. And if there is an outbreak of measles, we first need to know was it a vaccinated or an unvaccinated kid? Was it because of vaccine failure? Was it because of vaccine shedding? Was it because of a new strain of measles that we haven't identified? So Larry, they may not know all those things, right? Because those things come later. But when they hear that news, are you encouraging your patients? So you're, you're in practice right now. Do you encourage yeah. them to rush out and get a booster? Um, well, the, the nice thing about my practice, Paul, is that the parents in my practice are going to ask those questions because they need to make an educated decision and they know that they need that information before anywhere getting near an idea of a vaccine. But my parents in my practice already are aware 
of the dangers of the shot and of the inefficiency of the shot. And they do a cost, you know, a, a cost benefit ratio exam. And they know that the risks of getting that shot far outweigh any benefit from getting the shot. Yeah. I, I agree with you. You've got a smart group of patients. When I was in practice, most of my patients were along those lines as well. The other thing I'd like to point out, folks, is that there is a treatment. There, there is something you can actually do to reduce the chances of your child getting measles or if they get measles, that it would become serious. And the World Health Organization has this outlined. It's 50,000 to 200,000 international units of vitamin A. Vitamin a. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, Larry, I know you, you teach nutrition and holistic health principles. Vitamin A in the form of beta carotene, which is a safer form of it, is very abundant in our yellow vegetables, you know, the green leafy vegetables in the organ meats, liver is super high in vitamin A. So I don't think you need to sit around and think, well, I'm, I'm a sitting duck. What do you, what do you think about that? You want to, you want to ask yourselves, is measles a dangerous thing in the first place? And the answer is for the most part, no. Second of all, how important is it to maintain an adequate nutritional status for your kids? How important is it to make sure that they're eating healthy foods? So exposures to billions of viruses and bacteria are not going to affect them. And number three, uh, it's very easy to get good sources of not only vitamin A in foods, but vitamin A, um, mycelized vitamin A can easily be found as a supplement in the event that your child comes down with a confirmed diagnosis of measles. Yeah. So we're, we're getting near the end of our show for today. I wanted to throw one last thing at you. Well, actually, you're welcome to hit me with anything else that <laughs> your feeling is important to you also. But, uh, you know, there's this group in Davos, they're, they're meeting and they're, there's this thing about disease X. It's all over the headlines, you know, the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, trying to sort of, it feels to me like, prepare us, prepare the world. There's, there's a disease X coming. We don't know what it is, but it's coming. Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, again, th this is also part of the predictive programming, and this is an attempt of these elites to tell us what to be afraid of. What does the fear do? It makes us panic, makes us go into fight or flight. It makes us vulnerable. It makes us make in inadequate and improper decisions, and it keeps us in control. I think you know, I think one of the hardest things that I've come to understand in the years I've been practicing medicine is that most of the illnesses that we see have actually been planned. They have been attempts to create illness, to create fear. And we are once again being, uh, you, know, da you know, dangled with a carrot of you need to be afraid, even though Paul, most people are not aware that there is never a moment in our lives where we aren't exposed to germs. Never a moment. Even in utero, we're exposed to a couple of germs. And exposure to germs is not sufficient. And in fact, many of the diseases that we call bacteria and viral illnesses that are named by the experts are actually reactions to toxins that are in our environment. 
that we are not focusing on. So we're always exposed and please don't fall for the scare tactics. Yeah. I second that folks. There will be something else and there will be something after that. And as Larry said, we're already surrounded by hundreds, if not thousands of potential infectious agents in our immune systems. As long as you haven't harmed it, the, one of the biggest things that harms immune systems is actually over-vaccinating or vaccines in general, but toxins for sure, right? So and eating fear. and fear. It's a, it, fear is perhaps one of the biggest toxins because it just shuts down your immune system, puts you in fight or flight. So yeah, eat healthy. Parents, you've got this. And you do not need to fear measles, certainly don't need to fear measles, and nor really should you fear the next thing they bring along. Thank you, Larry. Thanks, Paul. Great to see you. Great to see you, too.